Welcome to episode 17 of Constructing Comics, a comic podcast building comic stories one page and one panel at a time. On this episode, we're going to review Marvel Comics Conan issue one with a cover date of March 2019. The title is The Life, Life and Death of Conan Part One, The Weird of the Crimson Witch. We're also going to discuss Daredevil number one with a cover date of April 2019, and the title is No Fear, Part 1. The credits on Conan are as follows. The writer is Jason Aaron. Pencils and inks are Mahmoud Asara. Colorist is Matt Wilson. Letterist is Travis Latham. Daredevil is written by Chip Zdarsky. Pencils and inks are by Marco Cicchetto. The colorist is Sonny Glau, and the letterist is Clayton Klaus. Uh, this is a spoiler alert for Conan 1 and Daredevil 1, the 2019 series. So if you don't want these books spoiled, pause and come back after you've read this. This is Matt, and again, I'm joined by my pal Noah. Yeah, let's just get the spoilers out of the way first. Number sure. one, if you haven't read Death of Daredevil, he doesn't actually die, mm-hmm. apparently. And then two, Conan does die, as they explain at the beginning of Conan. That's what this whole series is leading up to. Definitely. So punishment for you suckers out there who decided to listen despite the spoiler warnings. Just wanted to get that out of the way. It all involves death. Definitely. So, yeah, let's dive into it. I'm excited. I love these issues so far. Yeah, so we, uh, we're going we're gonna to start off with um, we're going to start off with Conan. Um, this is a series that's been away from Marvel for a while, but they're, they're, they're back now and they've handed it off to, uh, I would, I think it's pretty safe to say they're, they're, they're top writer. Who uh, said, he said like, he, uh, he posted something where he was like, no one else can have this. I already know what I'm going to do with it. That kind of thing. Like when it first came out, like he was like, ran into the office as soon as it was announced and said like, no one else is taking this. This is mine. So yeah, he's also tweeted a few shots of his uh, bookcases that are nothing but the uh, the old uh, the old paperbacks. So he's definitely definitely a fan and definitely has a lot of uh, ideas about this. And you can see those influences in his Thor run, of course, but also in the Goddamned and basically how he has sort of a more of a pulp approach to how he does comics. Um. That's why I think I was so disappointed with Avengers because I was expecting maybe more of that pulp feel when he was writing Avengers, but it was sort of went maybe more comic booky than anything. But he definitely Jason Aaron's pulp style meshes well with the world of uh, Conan. Yes, definitely. Uh, so we 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 lead off with the classic sort of born on the battlefield um, Conan imagery, um, you know. That's the that's the very first page that we see, um, and then the second page is uh, an older Conan when he's he's become king. Um, what do you think about these two pages here? Oh, I love the I love the epicness of the Conan's mother having cut the umbilical cord with her own knife. Yeah, given birth like literally on the battlefield. Um, I also yeah love to highlight, of course, um, Muhammad's uh, Muhammad's. That's how you pronounce his name? Is it Mahmoud? I think it's Mahmoud. Yeah. Mahmoud's inks are so light um, that they blend well with the colors and it makes it more like a Frazetta painting with how hazy it is. Yeah. Matthew Wilson definitely colors it with those like thick 
not thick, but like with like brush stroke feels. So it feels very hazy and it, it reminds me a lot of a Frazetta painting in this, uh, like in this, in this actual comic itself, it's got a lot of those muted colors or like really, uh, warm or really cold colors that would be in a Frazetta painting. Definitely. Um, next page. I like, uh, I don't know how much, cause I've never really read the Conan books, but I'm a huge fan of the 1980s film, um, by, uh, uh what's his name? John Milius, the John yes. Milius film with Schwarzenegger. I love that movie so much. It's such an inspiring artistic film. Um, uh, I love, yeah, that basically like they do it like, uh, the movie does where, you know, starts with uh, him on his throne and um, I guess it ends with him on his throne in the movie as well. And it's, mm -hmm. it's just great. Um, also plays a little, again, it, it kind of goes with what Jason Aaron likes to do, which is he likes to play with time and generations of characters. Yeah. You know, so having a character is set in like, you know, that's in the way future, you know, remembering his past, you know, having something from his past come back to haunt him is very, very much so in line with Jason Aaron's, uh, like what he likes to write about. Um, but I love the shadows in this. I like, um, as far as lines go, like Mahmoud's not afraid to get really black with his inks, you know, mm -hmm. like have really dark shadowy areas and not have too many like mid-tones or anything like that. And he lets the colorist sort of fill in those spots. Yeah. Um, whereas we'll see with like Marco Cicchetto, he's very much so like he loves to fill the page with lines and not have too much negative space. Um, you know, he's, he likes to have his mid-tones be cross hatches and, um, you know, but it still works well with the colors. Um, yeah, I love both of these pages. Uh, really epic, really awesome, perfect way to start a Conan story. Yeah, and uh, I just thought about it when you were talking about uh, Jason Aaron's sort of uh, uh, storytelling and his, his, his Thor, uh, his Thor run has sort of the young Thor, the old Thor, and sort of uh, the, the 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 young Thor finding his way, and this yeah. we 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 have we we don't see so much of the the really young Thor, but we 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 see the baby born on the battlefield. We see the older, grizzled Thor, and then we then we dive right into the the young. I'm sorry, I said Thor. I meant to say Kona in there. Um, oh, you could. It, it, I knew what you mean. You can interchange them. Um, yeah. Jason Aaron's stories normally have to do with like the past coming back to haunt you. I mean, even scalped was like that with how like, you know, basically uh, dash is the past coming back to haunt the chief, you know? And yeah. uh, it's all centered around that. Even the goddamned is about that. You know, it's about this guy basically wrestling with the mistake he made in his past and having to live with that the rest of his life. Uh, Thor is definitely like that. And even the Avengers is like that with like, him intercutting between like the ancient Avengers from like, uh, you know, like 1 billion BC or whatever mm -hmm. it is. And uh, yeah. So like Jason Aaron definitely likes to have that sort of story thread where it all involves like either a mistake or a big event happening in the past that affects the future. Yeah. So we dive right into uh, Conan sort of establishing himself as a, as a, as a uh, big time uh, fighter here as we after those two sort of establishing pages we go right to uh, a double page splash of Conan taking a guy's head off in a pit so two guys uh, heads off yeah we go we go right into the to the to the violence of, of the world yeah 
And as we learn later, he's taking two guys' heads off with a rusty sword that he picked up after he lost his sword in a drunken stupor the night before. So, like, classic Conan, uh, like, you know, uh, reckless adventurer. Mm -hmm. Love this. I also love how epic this shot is. Uh, You know, Aaron brings the gore in this script and uh, Mahomud delivers in the art. You know, there's a lot of blood in this issue, but I think that's what you want from a Conan story is like, you don't want it to be held back at all. And um, that's sort of what I, that's sort of how I judge a good Conan story is whether or not it does like, you know, it gets, it gets into the grisly nature of Conan. I mean, I think I, I prefer it when it does just like I prefer Punisher to be that way or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love a couple of these panels. I love this spread. I love the next page after that. It's got that great uh, downward cutting, uh, like Conan, like framed in the blood of the guy that he's like gutting straight in half with yeah. the with the battle cry and of the like, sorry, the death cry of the guy coming like arching underneath and framing it all. Mm-hmm. Um, beautiful action around here. I love also the the framing of the final showdown between Conan and the. Uh, uh, the um, let me find it out. The Islander mm-hmm. and with the spear, uh, again very Frazetta framed. You know, like if you look at that panel, how it's how it's shot, with how the characters are posed, even like you know how they're very Neanderthal like. It's very Frazetta, um, very reminiscent of his paintings. And of course, he's you can't you can't have a conversation about Conan's visuals without talking about Frazetta. Very so, true. There's a lot of homages to Frazetta in this issue, you know. Yeah, um, yeah beautiful panels up until this point. Um, and then, of course, I guess we should talk about the main villain of this issue, mm-hmm. um, who gets introduced in a couple pages. Um, the Crimson Witch, is that her name? Yes. Or the, yeah. Uh, very, again, like a cool throwback. I don't know if it's a throwback to the novels or if it's a throwback to the movie, sort of like the beautiful witch that seduces Conan, because that's in the movie as well. So I was uh, I was more pleased with that homage than I was like, oh, wow, what a surprise or anything like that. You know, I was more like, oh, that's cool. They, they, they put that little plot point in there. Um, but I, I like how... She's sort of, you know, of course, there's not much left to the imagination with her costume, but um, she can tell, of course, from the first moment that she's a seductress. But also, later you learn that she can handle herself pretty well, too. Yes. So she places places bets on on Conan, and it seems like most of the other folks watching the the fight uh, are are betting, uh, betting the other way. Uh, the fight, uh, the fight continues uh, for for a few pages after we're introduced to to the to the villain. Um, not shockingly, Conan wins the uh, wins the battle and uh, makes his way out of the pit. Um, do you want to go into any of the the couple of fight pages before he uh, makes his way out of the pit and has a discussion with the with the witch? Um. I like, uh, I like, of course, Aaron's style. He pays a lot of homage to how, you know, pulp writers write, you know, they write in this sort of like biblical poetic fashion, you yeah. know, throughout the narration and how certain people talk, especially how the witch talks. But then he'll throw in this sort of like modern slang, which was sort of what was great about the goddamned and what's great about Thor is you'll have things, you know, 
uh, you'll have like these really long narrations, but then you'll have these lines like uh, uh, the the Islander says, "Pray to your God" or whatever, and then Conan headbutts the guy by smashing through the spear that's been strangling him, and then says, uh, "But uh, Skymerians never pray," and he says, "Crom wouldn't give a damn." That kind of thing, like that's just so that's so pulpy, but also like you know so out of the time. And it's but it's very Aaron, you know, like mm. that's how he writes, um, especially with like, you know, how Kane in the goddamn like he spoke so modern, you know, how like foul his language was. But everybody else spoke in these like epic biblical tones. And that's mm. sort of what made him cool, made him stand out as a hero. That seems to be very similar with uh, with how Conan speaks is that like everybody speaks like a biblical character, but he speaks like a a noir detective it's uh yeah it's awesome but yeah, yeah let's yeah move on i love uh the witch uh taking the two knives out of her cloaks i love the close-up of that like it's just her hands and she's crossing and i love the screams from off panel um yeah. as conan's being massaged by the the three women mm-hmm. and then uh then you just see the crimson witch walking over the dead bodies mm-hmm. uh it's so great. And I also like, uh, love that little cat in the bottom there. I love just the detail that Mahmood puts in here. Yeah. And great colors, cool. great haze in the background. Like it would be, uh, like, you know, like it's painted, um, just great colors, great panels. But yeah, let's get to that discussion that he has with the witch. Yeah. So, uh, they have a, they, they have a discussion. Um, the, you know, there's more talk of, of fights to come. Uh, Conan uh, boasts that he's going to to show her some more action in the pit. Um, but after that discussion, we see that he's going to show her some more action um, somewhere else as they uh, they make their way inside um, uh, to get a little bit more intimate. Um, as they go inside, though, uh, we uh, we see that uh, the Crimson Witch is it uh, as she first appears. Uh, uh, we have a we have a three page panel here, or a three panel page here where uh, they they make their way to the bedroom, and on that third and final panel, uh, her her hands are are going gray as she she digs into his back. Uh, what do you think here? Yeah, again, great homage I think to the movie, and uh, it's, the same, it's the same reveal in the movie where you see the hands turn first, and then like he looks up and she's a monster. Mm-hmm. Um, uh also like uh again this is sort of a cliche in most uh like sword and sandals stories as well so but i like it here of course because i I like the throwbacks that this has um like you know the the woman leading him to bed and then basically like you know tricking him like you know drugging him with some sort of potion or something yeah um yeah it's great like i said anything that pays homage to the john milius film is awesome in my book I love any kind of homage in general to that movie. Um, yeah, so, but I definitely like the following pages a lot as well. Yeah, so he's uh he's drugged, uh he passes out only to wake up uh later in into a to a to a large temple, uh I guess there's uh care somewhere like a cave, a temple. Uh he's chained down and there's a huge uh there's a huge pit in front of him. Um and the the crimson witch is uh making some plans to uh what is she looking to call forth the uh, the almighty 
um Razriel, the yeah Razriel, yeah, yeah the archdemon yeah so i love we, this yeah this spread is awesome yeah that's uh we, we can see that there's a ton of dead bodies uh around conan yeah i like um i read this digitally so um i'm looking at the spread like across the board and i like how it uh leads into the background of the next page, but you get a better look at the branches going up mm -hmm. after the blood's been spilt and it lights up. Um, yeah, I, I love the little details that are drawn in with the branches, like the roots going up and then there's like all the stones drawn in as well. Yeah. Uh, the detail work in this is very impressive, um, especially in it, no more like in this page. But I also like how, again, great tropes here, like, you know, he basically uses her long monologuing to his advantage to break, to like basically pull the chains loose. Yes. And that's a great uh, page turn. A couple pages later, like she's about to stab him. And then the next, like first panel, the next page is him like uppercutting her. Yeah. Like as like he breaks loose of the chains, such a manly action right there, you know, like being able to break the chains and punch the enemy with one move. Mm -hmm. so awesome so conan yeah and that 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 panel where uh he strikes her it's uh it's brightly lit it sort of like uh enhances the 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 impact of 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 that punch yeah and again this this issue does a lot of great job with um dropping out the backgrounds with the, to make it more impactful each action more impactful um or each moment more impactful because even earlier when uh the witch sort of um insinuates that she wants to have sex with conan like the background drops out and it becomes warmer and stuff like that so it really mm -hmm. plays with your emotions making it have more of an impact um mahmoud and matt wilson know what they're doing as far as knowing when what details to keep in what details to keep out in order to have the like you know the best emotional response yeah so after he strikes her um she sort of is recovering from from the blow but uh the uh the the people that had been laying around the pit that appeared to be that appeared to be dead are, are now sort of uh the walking undead now and uh conan's faced with a with another horde of uh of people to uh hack and slash his way through um what do you think here uh another great you know conan thing he doesn't think about running or anything like that he's just like you know how do i kill the undead the same way I would kill the living. I basically just hack them to pieces, you know? <laughs> so like nothing like Conan is a warrior's warrior, you know, yeah. he lives up to this legend and this, you know, just this prestige this, you can understand why this guy would be king of an empire someday because like, he's just unfaltering in his just will and want to fight. Um, so yeah, I love, um, there's this one panel where he's ripping off the arm. Mm -hmm. of uh of one of one zombie and like like yeah like having ripped the head off of another is like bashing other zombies with it yeah like because like basically he can use anything as a weapon uh then i love this uh i think it's is it is it a spread where it's him on top of all the zombies and he has a sword in one hand and an axe in another yeah that's a full um, page that's a full page great shot again very frazetta you know the sky is all hazy and gradient and it flows down to these colors and uh armies surrounding it yeah um, you've got that uh 
very much that for Zeta, that uh, that one character, like, um, and we've done this a lot, the one character yeah. on rocks or, or, or yeah. um, he's, he's, he's elevated uh, and he's, he's coming down or he's dealing with the, what's, what's surrounding him. So that's, that's very cool there. Yeah, no feet also. That's a big thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no feet to draw on this page. So it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, but I also love then, um, again, the queen gets the drop on him. And again, another great thing about Aaron and whoever artist he works with, he has great page turns mm-hmm. to where, like, you know, just has the most surprising thing. And I remember this, this happens all the time in Scout and in other issues is that he has, like, the most violent action on each page turn. So it really hits you hard. Mm-hmm. And this one with the axe swinging into the crimson, which is head. Um, yeah, basically she gets to drop on him and he like reaches, like blocks her knife coming down with his own hand. Mm-hmm. And then like, you think like, oh, she's got him. And then like the next page is him just, l- just landing the ax right into her head, just lodging it completely. And like her head's barely, barely hanging on by a thread on the rest of the page. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's again, warrior's warrior with this guy. Yeah. So she's a little, uh, she's a little worse for wear here after, after that blow. Um, she, she attempts to, looks like keep her head somewhat attached, uh, but then falls, falls down. Um, and Conan goes to make his way out, um, with a torch. Um, do they make it clear if he's burning the, the place down or? I think it's just an effect of him killing the witch. Oh, okay. More than it is anything, but it might actually. They may actually say no. I, I think it is him burning it down. Yeah. Let me see. Um. Yeah, I think so. So he makes his way out. Yeah. Um. And uh, this part of Conan's story, at least that's this part of it, the timeline of Conan's story, switches. Yeah. And we get uh, we go to to an older. Uh, more grizzled Conan, who is uh, who is a leader of of men here. Uh, he's again doing what he does best. He's on he's on the battlefield. Uh, he's victorious, um, looking over fields of of wounded and dead, um, and he's he's giving orders. Uh, what do you think about uh, the shift in, in storytelling here? Uh, yeah, again, in, in perfect Aaron fashion. But I also love Mahmoud's composition on this first page of him looking over the battlefield where the, mm-hmm. the guy that Conan's stabbing is reaching up towards the, the figures in the second panel. Mm-hmm. And then them looking down on the bodies and the bodies create this perfect line yeah. down to Conan on the third panel. And then mm-hmm. from Conan through his guards leads you off the page. Great composition. Of course, then there's also these smoke uh, in the background that sort of leads your eye around as well. Yeah, it's, I agree. Uh, this page is like reads so well. And, uh, yeah, but then, yeah, the story progresses from there with, uh, the main thrust of, I'm guessing what this arc is going to be about. Yeah. So as he continues to make his way around the battlefield, he, uh, he comes into, uh, contact with two kids who are, uh, collecting, collecting the dead bodies. And, and Conan has, a. Uh, has an exchange um, with them. 
um, and they uh, they drop a a name that's very uh, familiar to him in his past. Uh, what do you think uh, about this part of the the comic? I I like the twist, but not necessarily the twist. You kind of see it coming, but you'd also um, it plays into what they promised at the beginning. Excuse me, one second. Yeah, it plays we were... into the, what they're talking about at the beginning of the the issue, where it's not. This isn't just the story of Conan's life, but also of his death. And uh, you can't help but wonder where this page, with the, where this issue ends, with the return of the Crimson Wish, which if she's going to be the one that finally kills Conan. Um, yeah. You know, of course, I, I mean, I'm sure he's the hero. He won't let the demon die. But this this definitely is what was rounding up to be the epic conclusion to Conan's story. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So after this, uh, you know, he has the exchange with the kids. He realizes something uh, from his past is coming back. Uh, and as we turn the page, we uh, we see the 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 witch. Uh, she's a lot. Uh, she's a lot uh, older and a lot uh, more mangled than the last time we saw her. And she's she's flying in uh, to to attack Conan. Yeah, she's got a very Mignola witch vibe about her. You know, mm-hmm. like she looks like a character out of a Hellboy story. Uh, yeah. Just how ugly she looks and how bloated and uh, like gray she is, and her tongue sticking out. Uh, then you got the uh, Escape from Witch Mountain twins uh, mm-hmm. guarding her, who are creepy as all get out. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the, yeah, I like how the, where this is going. Um, this is definitely going to be, like, you know, of course, where this ends, you can tell this is going to be pushing Conan to his limits. Yeah. Afterwards, clearly with the knives in his back, uh, looking like he's almost crawling away, you know. Yeah, uh, this is this is a this is I didn't really think about this when I first read it, but this is a big deal with how much like you know they make such a big point throughout this issue that this is a man's man. He doesn't run from fights. He doesn't run from anything. But right here, he's in such a place where that's what he's doing, like trying to crawl away at all costs, trying not to get captured by this evil. So there's more of an impact here when he he goes a different route than he's been going this whole issue. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's where the story ends. As you described, he was, he's crawling away. He's got the, the witch, the two twins, and he's got two knives in his back. So that, uh, that, uh, that wraps up Conan, uh, number one. Um, do you have any, any final thoughts on that before we move to, to daredevil number one? It's an epic first issue. I, I'm almost tempted not to read any further because of how epic the first issue is. I don't think mm. it can get better than this. Um, it's just it's just awesome. I hope it's an issue that people talk about from here on out. How about you? What do you think of it? No, I uh, I really I really enjoyed it. Um, for for a property that had been away from them for for so long, they uh, they uh, they didn't really play around. You know, you got two pages of backstory, and then you just you just went, you went right at it and you were, you were, yeah. you, were in, you were in a new story, a new tale and you were moving along. So I, I, I really enjoyed it too. Yeah, definitely dropping it in, in almost immediately in media res, you know, yeah. and uh, just getting it moving with awesome action. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's, let's discuss uh, daredevil number one. Um, yeah. So this is uh, called no fear one. Um, 
and uh, we are we're introduced to 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 Matt Murdock very early on as he uh, as he picks up a lady in a bar. Um, Matt Murdock has has the has his way with uh, with ladies, so this is this is sort of a callback to a lot of uh, a lot of Daredevil stories here. Yeah, but I was I was really I didn't know how Death of Daredevil ended when I started reading this. So them hiding his identity at the beginning, almost mm-hmm. how they take their time to introduce him over two yeah. pages to where you finally get to see him and, you know, make sure that it is actually Matt Murdock. I was like, is it Matt? You know, that's what the question I was asking during this whole time. I didn't know for sure. Uh, so I like these first two pages. You know, it's a great number one, great way mm-hmm. to introduce like Conan, which Conan introduces him just epic. You know, this is a very cool, mysterious way of introducing your main character for people who have read it. It's really cool, I'm guessing, but also for people who are, this is their jumping on spot, you know? Mm-hmm. This is a great way to build up how important your character is going to be, you know? You really, like, you know, you really make people beg for the character to show up, and when he does, it's almost like you can hear them holding for applause in this final panel where he says, uh, that would be illegal. After yeah. he says, uh, after the girl asks if she can have some of his painkillers. Yeah. So um, after that, we they uh, they spend a little bit more time on uh, some backstory here for anybody who would have picked up this number one. We get uh, we get uh, Jack uh, bringing Matt into to the church uh, and uh, handing him off to the priest, telling him that he's uh, uh, Jack Murdoch, uh, that he has. Uh, he sort of reached his wit's end with with the kid, and he uh, he needs the priest to, to to watch him for a bit. So that uh, that fills us in on uh, the backstory and a little bit of character de- development for a young Matt Murdock. Uh, what do you think here? I love how the background sort of fades out um, with the stained glass windows on these pages. I also like the warmer tones that this takes to distinguish the past from the present throughout mm-hmm. this issue. Uh, who was the colorist on this again? Uh, this was Sunny uh, Sunny Gao. Sunny Gao, and I yeah. think she, he or she, works with Marco Cicchetto. At least this, these colors look very familiar with his artwork. Yeah, I'd agree. They they look uh, these, especially the first uh, two pages, look a lot like the 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 work that Cicchetto did in the in the Punisher run. So yeah. I would agree with you. Yeah, this, uh, yeah, I love how, I always love comics that distinguish between past and present in creative ways by just basically giving them the cold and warm color feels, mm-hmm. you know? It's just an easy way of distinguishing and an easy way of color coding your comic. Yeah. So after the, the backstory, uh, we go to, to Matt's apartment, um, and he has uh, gone home with the lady from, from, from the bar and they, they, they have a conversation. Um, and it, it goes a little bit into, uh, the fact that Matt Murdoch, uh, can't see. There's a lot of shadows here coming from, from the windows. Uh, what do you think about the, these two story, the, these two pages of the story? Yeah, there's a contrast from, you know, there are shadows in the past, but like then there's this stark, uh, you know, there's this stark contrast in these bedroom pages. It's very noir, mm-hmm. very crime, but it's also very, then the colors drop out and it's very, it's very uh, green and cold. Yeah. Um, 
maybe more expressive, I guess. I was watching the most recent uh, uh, strip panel naked video where he talks about how um, basically the colors behind Sean Phillips have gotten better over the years and whatnot. And in there, he makes a great point about like how, you know, like to fit the story, certain colorists are more expressive and whatnot. And I think these are, these are more expressive colors with like the turquoise background. And he even mentions in the video that when you add turquoise, it makes red pop even more, you know, okay. if you have anything sort of more green or blue based, it makes red all the more prevalent, which, which fits with daredevil, of course. So from here on out, everything present sort of has this uh, turquoise undercoat and uh, it really makes everything that's red more prop, more prevalent and more important to the story as we'll see. Uh, also on in this in these pages there's like throughout the issue there are these motifs of crosses which again fits with Daredevil's religious background you know yeah. even the like windows are sort of crosses like you know sort of annexing his belt his, his like you know uh, and like you know uh, almost making it like uh, I'm trying to think of what it's called a grid view of his building of his of his bedroom you know. It's like basically all cut up into crosses, which sort of shows his religious background. Mm -hmm. um, nothing more loaded than the cross, of course, but also nothing more to add drama than religious symbolism. Uh, I also love this one panel on the page where like the shadows cut across his eyes. Again, great Daredevil stuff. I love it when, whenever Bruce Wayne's in a building and his silhouette looks like Batman and they do the same thing with uh, Daredevil, you know, it just sort of is uh, expressionistic. It just sort of, just sort of shows what like, you know, like just sort of uh, just the comic artist reveling in the character that he gets to draw. And I love that. Mm -hmm. uh, I love to see characters, uh, artists having fun and knowing that they love drawing these characters by giving, you know, making it very expressionistic. Well, how the environments are very expressionistic, I guess. Yeah. So after that, we, we go outside. Uh, we, we, we see a crime scene. We see uh, a couple of uh, New York detectives or cops here. Uh, they don't seem to be too enthused about their job, and we're introduced to a, to a new character who's sort of more of a no-nonsense uh, detective who's who's come in. I believe he said he came in from from Chicago. Yeah, and he wants to know who uh, who uh, injured the 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 person at the scene, and he tells him that it was Daredevil. Did this is this guy dead at the scene? No, no, he's alive, I guess. But he's like brutal, brutally beat down. Yeah, he's alive because he he speaks to the he speaks to the detective as he's being That's put right. back out the the ambulance. So he's he's alive at this point. So, yeah, I like this new character a lot. He's a very imposing force, and um, I guess they're trying to maybe hint towards him being so imposing. Maybe he's like a grunt for Kingpin. Um, but I think also sort of like his motives are unclear whether whose side he's on, you know, he seems to be a straightforward lawman, but he's also kind of not afraid to threaten the police officer with, uh, like, you know, the other police officer that under that's underestimating him. Um, again, here you can also see in the colors, like sort of the turquoise and how it makes the red pop in the background. Yeah. Um, with like the blood at the crime scene, also sort of how the lights from the police cars, the red, how it sort of makes this divide mm -hmm. between certain things. I love this shot of the, the new, the new officer walking away from the two officers and it's sort of split down the middle 
he's being lit by the red light siren lights on one side and there's like the turquoise shadows in the background um great colors great uh great way of like having the the pages really pop um i also love uh Chichetto's over the shoulder shot where it's just the silhouette of this new character is taking up the panel and he's looking down at this other police officer and the police officer is like covered in sweat because uh, he just basically stepped out of line. Uh, great way of imposing the the new character on us is like by him being engulfed in shadow and taking up most of the panel. Yeah. And so after that, we, we have another flashback scene. It's uh, young Matt back in church um and the the sermon is over uh and he has a couple of uh exchanges with with the priest um uh this this further goes to to Matt's sort of uh relationship uh with the church um do you have any any thoughts here not too many just that these uh these panels kind of remind me of John Romita Jr's stuff Adam did you get that feel from some of this i mean and clearly they are referencing man without fear yeah, the the this. the younger Matt definitely looks like a a JRJR drawing, the 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 sort of the yeah. head shape and stuff like that. So I could I could see that as well. Yeah, I think there's a lot of uh, JRJRs and Frank Miller's uh, influences on this issue. I mean, and why wouldn't you? They're they're pretty influential when it comes to Daredevil. Agreed. Okay, so after the flashback, um, we we go back to Matt's apartment. Uh, He's, he's sort of laying in bed, but he gets up and we get uh, a few panels that uh, show us his, uh, his uh, heightened senses. Uh, we, we get a bit of a color shift. Uh, we get the radar um, and we get him touching, touching glass and sort of uh, hearing the, the vibra- or feeling the vibrations and, and sensing the sounds there. I, I enjoyed that because so much of his radar sense is sort of that that bat that sort of that click and that radar and that was a different way to 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 show his 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 heightened senses yeah there's a i love that in any kind of daredevil comic it's it's a staple of him is how the artist will find a way to show how daredevil uses his powers and uh, it's very cool in these next pages is with the fight as well yeah so after he he does that we get a we get a we get a full page uh daredevil leaping uh the 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 baton twirling uh whipping around him and him him diving between between uh buildings uh uh as an artist what do you what do you think there oh it's classic daredevil even if you're not an artist this shot is so awesome you know this is going to be on a poster someday not hanging on my wall you know um i i like uh so the costume has changed i'm guessing from the the most recent series with Charles Soule ending. It seems like they're going more for like what he looks like in the new Marvel Knights. Is that mm-hmm. is it, am I am I correct in assuming that? Yeah, I think so. It's not as uh it's 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 the the the, the pants are a little uh uh looser, a little bulkier. Um it, it yeah it does it does look that way. I would agree with you there. Yeah, and his arms are wrapped. I think also trying to tie it into the Netflix show as well, you know, having his arms wrapped like he does in the Netflix show. Yeah. So uh, after that splash, we get some we get some good Daredevil uh, uh, going across rooftops, uh, flipping, diving, running. Uh, he says he wants the people to be able to see him, to know that he's out there. Um, 
but on the the next page after he he does that he he sort of miscalculates um and he he stubs his he stubs his toe as he's as he's leaping between buildings um and as he goes to sort of gather himself he he hears he hears a robbery um what do you think here uh yeah i love the acrobatics and i love that i love how um chipped has this way of like uh not like taking away things from the characters or anything like that but um he uh like you know he knows how to put them in positions where they're challenged he did that like marvel two in one he did that in spectacular spider-man you know he knows how to write stories to where the characters are you know can still kick butt but like will have a hard time of doing it yeah um like Marvel two and one, he took away the thing and the torch's powers for a bit, but still put them in interesting situations. And of course, Peter Parker's is at his lowest in spectacular Spider-Man. So Chip is the one to call when a hero is like at his lowest point. <laughs> um, but I love, yeah, but I love that moment of weakness. And there's also a lot of those moments in the fight that I might keep talking about that's coming up. Yeah. As well. So, so let's, uh, let's go into that fight. Uh, the- yeah. He hears the robbery. He he makes his way. Um, the two guys leave the liquor store, and uh, Daredevil leaps down, um, makes contact with the one guy, and they're now all at sort of ground level, uh, engaged in the fight. Um, why don't you go ahead and, and break this down since you've already said how excited you are to to talk about this? Yeah, starting off, I love that pay that panel where he hears the click of the gun. You know, and there's like the purple radiation coming out from his head. And then like he pushes the one guy out of the way, the two guys out of the way with like a kick mm-hmm. and like throws his baton at the same time. I love that pose and like his face is all in shadow. And I love the the fold lines on his pants and the like the silhouettes on his muscles. It's just a cool it's just a cool hero shot. Yeah. And then I love, um, I love also the 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 one panel where uh, he's disconnecting the magazine from the gun, and the gun's falling out. So he he continues to to fight with these two guys, um, but he uh, he as he's distracted, he lets one guy get the get the drop on him and hit him with a pretty decent uh, right cross, um, and Daredevil is uh, is uh, is down. And then uh, they uh, they continue to go at him, um, and then he's hit with a he's hit with a bottle over the head. Um, why don't you give me uh, some thoughts on these these action sequences? Yeah, it's just good action. I like how he takes his time to you know do the close ups on the micro actions, but also pull out to show you where the ge- how the geography has changed. You know, positions between the different people. Um, I also like how it shows maybe how his his powers are going haywire because they can't seem to focus on what it needs to be focused on. Mm-hmm. There's like one time where it's just focused on one guy's face and he can't keep track of how many guys are coming at him. He's like, two guys beating me up. Wait, no, three. That kind of thing. Um, there's so much. It's so kinetic. And this, this scene moves by so fast and so frantically that, you know, you really feel the confusion that Matt Murdock is feeling as well. And um, just how disoriented he is during this whole fight. Um, but also you can see how clumsily, I like how Marco Cicchetto does, like shows how clumsily he's landing his his moves and stuff like that. Like he's, like, you know, he's landing him, but it's just not the way that you would see normally in a comic. Mm-hmm. 
So he, uh, the, the, these guys uh, get the better of him. He's, he's down on the ground. They're kicking him. Um, uh, and he, he gets a moment uh, to, to, get a, to get some space. Uh, and he hears sirens uh, from two blocks away. Um, and then, he, then they're one block away. Um, uh, the, the storyline continues that Fisk is the mayor. Uh, he controls the cops, so he's uh, he's got to get out of there. Uh, he can't be there when the when the police show up. So the the police are there. Uh, the building's on fire. Um, they're discussing it, and uh, then uh, then we cut to uh, we cut to uh, we cut to Matt sitting uh, on top of the roof, uh, just sort of collecting himself uh, from the battle. Um, and uh, the more flames, Matt sitting there holding the, holding the mask um, and, and regrouping. Um, why, don't you, why don't you do a quick breakdown there? Yeah, I like the moodiness of this whole issue. Um, I like how, you know, Marco Cicetto knows how to show characters brooding really well. Uh, I like, uh, again, just sort of that. This, this, this book takes its time to like leave impacts on you, you know, where it's not, it's not too fast paced. It takes these moments of silence that I really like for characters to react to what's going on. Um, that can be like within the page with someone had just said the panel before, like there's a lot of great stuff like that when in the flashbacks, when young Matt is talking to the priest, but also there are these great moments where the characters get to just sort of reflect on what just happened. Um, it's, it's this, this, this book takes its time, but it still like moves really well. Like there's a good pace to it. Yeah. So, um, after that, uh, we, we, we flash back, um, Matt back in the church this time he's, he's in the confessional. He's got more of the, uh, the look from the, uh, the man with no fear and the, the, uh, the daredevil TV show. He's, He's in black. He's got the uh, the ski mask pulled halfway down his eyes, uh, and he's talking to the priest uh, about the the amount of force that he's he's been using. Um, why don't you Why don't you give me some thoughts here? I love how the the background drops off to give that purple background. Um, uh, I think it's on the first page of the flashback where Matt's holding his hands up to his head. And it's like the darkness is closing in around him, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, like the, the the purple background. It's just uh, there's a lot of emotion in this panel. Um, again, kind of like the, what we talked about in the first with with Conan is that there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of time taken. There's a lot of moments where like we know what the background is at this point. We just need to center in on Matt, focus in on Matt, see what he's going through at this point in time. Yeah. So at the end of the confession, um, the, the priest goes, he, uh, he says, Matthew, um, goes to check the, the booth next to him, which is empty, but, uh, finds the, finds the mask. Uh, so we get a little bit more of development between Matt and the, and the priest there. Yeah. Great development between these two characters. I think that's something that was great about the Marvel show was their relationship. And, uh, 
I think it's something that I think maybe that's why probably why it was brought into this issue. Mm-hmm. I guess people I think I think it's a good reason to have it in there because their their relationship is so interesting to have um I think it's fascinating to have like the religion play a part in Matthew's identity and sort of his reason for why he becomes a superhero. Um, There's multiple reasons, of course, you know, one of the main reasons is like, you know, death of a parent, but there's also this sort of other debate, like whether or not God wants him to do this or not. And having this sort of mediator there in the priest to be the, the voice of reason, but also sort of the, the voice of encouragement that what Matt's doing is the right thing. Yeah, I agree. Um, so after that, we cut to what we will find out is the the mayor's uh, mansion. We we see uh, Wilson Fisk, who's who's still entrenched in his role as as the mayor. He's getting uh, he's getting a report um, uh, from from his uh, I would assume like his uh, his assistant. Um, we we see the the detective at the scene still. Um, and Fist sits down to, uh, to watch, watch the, watch the news. And he's very excited to, uh, to find out, um, uh, a bit of news. Uh, why don't you, uh, why don't you give me a, a rundown of, of what you think here? Yeah, I love the, I like this sort of the story turns right here. Um, you know, again, establishing who the bad guy is always in a Daredevil comic is always the Kingpin. Um, also, again, trying to tie into the TV show, you know, Kingpin, he's always looking for a way to tear down uh, Daredevil's image. And that was the main thrust of the, the plot in the yeah. la- latest season of the show. Um, but also it sort of plays into, uh, but this time, unlike the TV show where it was all faked, you know, the image, you know, the image destruction here, it's, it's, it's turning out, it's probably real, you know, um, not completely Daredevil's not like losing a step because of his like moral falling out, but like physical falling out yeah, and, uh, losing control of his own abilities. Um, yeah, I like this. I like this twist in the narrative and it, it kind of, it flows naturally. And I even flipped back a couple of pages to see like where it would have happened. And sure enough, there is a panel where like clearly like Daredevil hit a guy way too hard or pushed him up against a wall to the point where it's like, oh yeah, definitely he killed that guy. Yeah, so that's the, uh, that's the, 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 the cliffhanger we get at the end. Uh, we go back to Matt um, at his apartment um, as you said uh, earlier, you know, we have the turquoises, we have the crosses and shadows. We sort of have Matt exhausted uh, halfway out of his Daredevil uh, costume. And uh, we get the sort of the, the off-panel TV reporter um, telling us that the, the person from the scene has died from head trauma. So um, here we've got uh, Matt Murdock has, has, has killed somebody. Well, there's also the great religious symbolism with the cross on his back, like Jesus carrying the cross up to uh, cross up to his own crucifixion. So yeah. there's like there's that symbolism there that like at this point, uh, Daredevil's on like his death march or something like that. You know, he's like he's on his way to his own like trials from here on out. Uh, very dramatic, very moody issue. I, I didn't like you know when I think of Chip Darsky writing a daredevil issue i did not think it was going to be this dark 
Yeah, did you did you were you surprised by that at all? Yeah, I definitely was. Uh, when I when I heard the news, I wasn't quite sure how how I thought about it. But uh, after reading it, uh, any concerns that I have have, have gone away. Yeah, it definitely fits the character. It's not like, you know, it's not something where I'm like, oh, I'm so disappointed Chip didn't bring more fun way of doing it. I'm just, I'm like, I'm really happy with it. But, you know, even Marvel 2-in-1, it got really dark, but it always had those lighter moments and spectacular Spider-Man. And as we've talked about Howard the Duck, like they're all very light, light Marvel stories. But this is like new levels for Chip where it is dark, 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 dark. And um, I like it. I really like it. I like how moody it is. I like how violent it is. It's, you know, I think they're trying to get for something that sort of matches the TV show, but I think they may have found something better. Yeah. So let me ask you a question. Do you think that that guy is actually dead? I, I hope so. I know that sounds weird. I think that sort of pushes the character into like, you know, it's not something where he cold blooded murdered the person. It's just something for, I'm hoping it's something that Matt has to live with more mm-hmm. than it is something that it's like, oh, it was all a grand scheme by this new policeman or the kingpin to kill this guy when they got on scene or something like that, you know? Uh, yeah. I think it would be more interesting if it was that. What about you? What do you think? Yeah, um, I'm not quite sure. I, 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 I have my doubts that the kingpin is not uh, somewhere pulling strings. Uh, but if he, if he is dead, it's going to create uh, interesting conflict because going forward, anytime Matt Murdock is in a confrontation, yeah. he's going he's gonna to have doubts. He's, not gonna, he's gonna maybe not uh, be as aggressive as he should be. Maybe he's going to pull back uh, and he's going he's gonna to he's gonna have to figure out how far to go, and he might not be willing to go as far as he needs to do, so that'll be very yeah. interesting. Yeah, this is definitely going to, again, like how Conan ended, this is going to push Daredevil to his limits. Yeah, both two issues, very similar in theme. Different styles of writing, of course, but very similar endings where, again, uh, interestingly enough, uh, Daredevil flat on his stomach, very similar to Haley to how we left Conan, which was flat on his stomach. Agreed, I didn't uh, think about that. Yeah, with Cronin, Conan with two knives in his back, bleeding out, and uh, Daredevil with a cross on his back, you know? Yeah. Very symbolic stuff. Uh, and also, like, uh, Daredevil bleeding out onto his bed and everything like that. It's very, like, you know, very similar places where we're leaving these heroes. And I'm guessing with the promise of these characters going through a lot harder in the future. Okay. Well, if you don't have anything else, uh, I think, uh, I think that's a good ending point. Uh, do you have yeah. anything else? No, no. Yeah. Just thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah. I, uh, I think, uh, I think that was a good breakdown and, uh, I wasn't uh, aware of the, the similarities of the, the endings until we, we talked it through there, but that, that was yeah, the cool. same. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'd like to uh, thank everybody for listening to this podcast. And if you can go on iTunes and give us a rate or a review, we'd really appreciate it. And it would help others uh, find the show. Um, we're on Twitter at ConstructComPod. Uh, we're on Instagram at Constructing Comics Pod. And we're on Facebook at Facebook forward slash Constructing Comics. And on those social media sites, we'll put a few pages up from uh, from these issues so people can see some of the pages that we discussed. So awesome. I'd like to, uh, like to thank everybody for listening and we'll be back, uh, soon with uh, another episode. Bye. Thank you.